Hey, good morning, Rev City family. How are we doing today? So good to be with you. Come on, on Resurrection Sunday. Isn't God good? He's faithful. The tomb is still empty. And Jesus is alive. Hey, stand to your feet. And as you're standing, I'm going to welcome those of you who are joining us online. So thankful that you are making time to worship the risen King today. And I want us to start with a reading from God's Word. And would you just let these words resound in your spirit today? They are true today as true as they ever have been. And it says this, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and set upon it. His face shone like the lightning. His clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. Come on, look at someone to your left or your right and tell them, do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Do not be afraid. He said, I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen. Come on, we ought to celebrate. It's true today. The tomb is still empty. Hey, come on, you can be seated. As you're being seated, find someone to your left or your right. Tell them that they're looking good on Easter Sunday morning and that you're glad to see them. Hey, I want to welcome you again, those of you joining us online. Thankful that you made time to worship Jesus on Resurrection Sunday. Come on, what better time to be together as the people of God. What a great day. Hey, I want to continue in our series, My Story for God's Glory. And today we're going to talk about the greatest story ever known. The greatest story ever known. And I was intentional about selecting that title because I didn't want to say the greatest story ever told because there's a lot of stories that have been told, but this is the greatest story ever known because the message of Easter, the message of the cross, the power of the resurrection is not just a story we tell, it's a life we live. It's an encounter that we experience. This really is the greatest story ever known. And through this series, My Story, God's Glory, we've been looking back into the stories of the Bible. I've been encouraging us with some powerful truths from these stories. One was that the people whose lives were being accounted for in the Bible did not know that their lives were being preserved for the historical purposes of the Bible. They were just people trying to live in a way that honors God and glorifies God. And I appreciate something about the Bible. It does not shy away from the dark moments, the painful moments, the mistakes and the regret of their life. You can hardly open the book and point to a page without pointing at a person who made some mistakes, who, 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 made some, who walked through some difficult moments. And I so appreciate that the Bible doesn't shy away from that. The same will be true about your story and mine. But what is also true is that those same people who experienced the problems, who made the mistakes, were willing to take real problems, real pain, real betrayal, real rejection, and they were willing in some way, some fashion, to present it in the presence of a real God who offers real hope and real forgiveness and a real opportunity for a new start and a fresh start and a new life. That's the message of Easter. God is writing a story in your life, and I've challenged us to say, Lord, what's it look like for you to come regardless of where I am today, regardless of the chapter that I find myself in today? What's it look like for me to say, God, I need you to come and put your hand upon mine, put your hand upon the pen that is writing the rest of my story? Because let me encourage you with something. You really can't do much about the chapters that are already in the book. 
but you have a lot to say about what's yet to be written in your life. And this moment, this day, this hour is the opportunity to say, Lord Jesus, would you come and would you begin to be the hero of my story? Maybe some of us, we just saw all those testimonies, different things, unforeseen and unexpected, times where we made ourselves the own, our own hero of our own story, or we made some object or some pursuit or some other person the hero of our story. Today is the opportunity to say, Jesus, would you come and would you be the hero of my story? And I've encouraged us that it really is true. Regardless of what you find yourself going through today, the best is yet to come. For God is able to take all things, somebody say all things, and he works them together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So today we're looking, we're taking a fresh look at the greatest story ever known, the story of Jesus the story of Easter, which is better referred to as Resurrection Sunday, the most important day in the history of the world. And you might say, well, Pastor T, what about Christmas? Well, let me encourage you with something. Christmas happened with the cross in mind. The manger happened with the Messiah in mind, the one who would come to rescue and redeem and reconcile and restore you and I back to a relationship with our Heavenly Father. The greatest story ever known. It's what we're celebrating today. Revelation 13 verse 8 said that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. What it means to me is that all of humanity, all of world history is all framed upon this moment, this day that we are celebrating today, the cross and the tomb and the resurrection power of Jesus. And throughout this series, My Story, God's Glory, I've encouraged you to know that this whole book, the Old Testament, the New Testament, every Bible story is all pointing to setting the scene and the stage for the arrival of Jesus as our Savior and King that Moses was a type of Christ and through the Passover lamb as the people of Israel found themselves in bondage and God initiated a plan and sent one man to be the one who would lead the people out of a place of slavery and bondage to a place of a better land and a hope and a future and a promise that it's a type and it's a shadow, it's a foretelling of the story of Jesus. That the one man, David, who was willing to step out onto the battlefield and defeat the giant that no one else was able or willing to deal with, it's a type and it's a shadow. It's a foretelling of the coming of Jesus. But wait, there's more than what we've already got into through the series. Did you know that Jonah, you remember Jonah, Jonah and the whale, it said that Jonah, Matthew chapter 12, this is a New Testament scripture. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. It's all pointing to Jesus. It's all preparing our hearts to receive and to acknowledge Jesus. Remember Abraham and Isaac? You remember as God was testing Abraham's heart? as he was making him the father of faith. And, and, and remember, it said that they, they took, uh, Abraham took Isaac on a three-day journey. And on that journey, it says in Genesis 22, verse six, that Abraham took the wood of the sacrifice and laid it upon the back of the son. A previous scripture said his one and only son. And it's all pointing to Jesus because we know that after betrayal, and after a, 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 an unjust process, Jesus, that wood was placed upon his back, but it was God all along who was putting it upon his back because it was God all, all along who was working in the unforeseen and unexpected and painful moments of Jesus' story. And we know the rest of that story is that God provided the lamb so that Isaac could live. 
We know that Noah and his family, it says in the book of Genesis that Noah and his family came to land upon dry land on the 17th of the seventh month, signifying the end of the judgment of God. And you might say, well, why is that significant, Pastor T? Because Earlier in Exodus chapter 12, when, when God is giving the ongoing instructions for the Passover lamb, watch what it says. It says, on the 10th day of the month, every man shall select a lamb. It shall be a pure spotless lamb without blemish. You take it and select it on the 10th day of the month and it says you are to sacrifice it on the 14th day of the month. And in AD 33, the date's aligned, it's, it's indisputable, the calendar says it. Jesus made his triumphant entry, the lamb was selected on the 10th of Nisan as he made his triumphant entry and the people selected the lamb by saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And if you do the math, he was crucified on the day of preparation for Passover on the 14th, three days later, the 15th, the 16th, the 17th of Nisan. He rose again forevermore. The whole Bible is pointing to preparing our hearts, setting the scene, setting the stage for the arrival of Jesus in our lives. Isn't it amazing? Jesus was that spotless, sinless lamb. The whole story of the Bible is preparing the way for Jesus. And I appreciate that God's writing a story in my life and he's writing a story in your life. And God's story, his plan for forgiving you and, and saving you and redeeming you and bringing you back to him, God's story of salvation, God's story of redemption, God's story of reconciliation includes a dramatic story that we can draw hope from ourselves. We could draw hope from it, we can receive faith from it because we can relate to it. 1 Peter 2 verse 21 says it this way, this is the kind of life you've been invited into, the kind of life that Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so that you would know that it could be done and also know how to do it step by step. The story of Easter brings faith to us because we can, it is relatable to us. And have you ever thought about Jesus's life starting right from the start? We know the end from the beginning. We know all the miracles. We know the resurrection life. We know that according to most uh, historians, over 8 billion people have professed faith in Christ since the resurrection. We have the benefit of knowing all this, but can you imagine the turmoil and the speculation and the controversy and the rumors that were swirling around Mary's conception? wait a minute, isn't she betrothed to Joseph? Jesus's life began in the midst of this. They, they had to live and walk by faith through a controversy. It wasn't long after Jesus was born that King Herod attempted to, to kill all the babies. He heard of a king and a coming king and he said, kill all the baby boys. And what it made Joseph and Mary immediately were refugees to a faraway land. Even in the early years of Jesus's life, he was not immune from difficulty, challenges, unforeseen, unexpected, obstacles, and opposition. The story of Easter brings faith to us because it is so relatable to us. I appreciate that there's, there's three parts of the story of the resurrection. There's three parts of the story of, of Easter. There's a Friday that includes the cross. 
The journey to redemption for you and for I involved a painful process for Jesus. And listen, on this side of eternity, we are going to go through some painful moments in life. We don't do anyone any favors telling them that when they become a Christian, they're not gonna go through some obstacles, some opposition, some unexpected, unforeseen things. In fact, Jesus said you would have those things in this life. But he also said this. He said, but you can be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And when you go through the fire, when you go through the waters, when the storms begin to rage, when the waters begin to rise, you better believe that I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be right by your side. That's good news. Someone ought to say, thank you, Jesus. The story of Easter involves a painful process for Jesus. When you experience the pain of life, you can understand that God knows exactly what it feels like and then some. And the Bible clearly accounts for it. Matthew chapter 26 is one of the places where we read a bit and it says that Jesus took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me and going a little further. He fell with his face to the ground. Can you picture it in your mind's eye? This is the experience that Jesus was facing. And he said, he says, he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. But then the second half of the scripture is something powerful and profound that we ought to pay attention to because the first half is Jesus being real with what he was really going through. And you can be real with God. You could really face fear. You could really have doubts. You could really have uncertainty. You really can know, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know where I'm supposed to turn. I don't know what the next chapter of my life is going to look like because faith is not the absence of doubt or fear. Faith is the answer for those things. And Jesus said, he said, Father, if there's any other way, he was, he was anguishing over this moment. He knew what was about to happen and he was gonna feel the real pain of the betrayal and the rejection and the wounds. And he said, my father, if it's possible, let us, is there another way that we could do this? But he said, yet not as I will, but as your will, let your will be done. The story of Easter includes the Friday of the story, the painful cross, the rejection, the betrayal, the unjust trial that Jesus went through. But Hebrews 12 verse two says, before the joy, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And I am here to encourage you today that you are going to have to do the same thing. Understand that you cannot afford to get stuck in the painful chapter of the story of your life that is being written. But you understand that if you'll do what Jesus did and you'll say, God, I'm trusting you. God, I'm looking to you. Not my own emotions or my own ideas ideas or my own thoughts. I'm not going to shrink back or hold back from being faithful and being obedient. Let your will be done in my life. If we'll do the same thing, take real pain and real problems and real persecution and real opposition, real obstacles, real unforeseen things, and we'll turn to God and say, God, it does. I don't like the way it feels and I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm looking to you and I'm trusting you. We'll experience the same thing. There's a Sunday that's coming. There's a redemption that's coming. There's a reconciliation that's coming. It says, for the joy set before him. Jesus went through the, the, the pain of the cross. I appreciate that the story of redemption, God, could, don't you understand? God could have written it any way that he wanted to, but we receive faith from it because we can relate to it. He felt real pain, real betrayal as he was on his way to the cross. And when you look at a cross, 
When you look at a cross, we looked at it today in that video that we were watching as we were worshiping. When you look upon a cross, whether it's hanging around the neck of an influencer or an athlete or whether it's on artwork in your office or in your home or whether you're driving by this church and you see the cross that's on the top of this building, I hope you never look at it the same way again. Because more than just a religious icon, I believe that it was God's intentional way to say that I'm going to remind you of some things that I'm accomplishing and inviting you to enjoy and walk into and step into because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And just picture it, when we look at that cross, there's two beams, and there's a beam that's pointing vertically, and it reminds us that the cross of Jesus Christ is all about redeeming us back to a relationship with our Heavenly Father that was broken, that was, that was hindered by our own pride and sin and rebellion. And every time you look at the cross, you could be reminded that God loved you so much even while you were still an adversary of God, even while you were lost and trapped in your sin and your darkness, he loved you in that moment. He wasn't waiting for you to, to get religious. He wasn't waiting for you to figure it all out. He wasn't waiting for you to get it right. In that moment, he sent, God, he sent Jesus to rescue you back to a relationship with him. When you look at the cross, be reminded that it's all about you being restored back to a relationship with your heavenly father, made part of a family, and not just a family, a royal family. And when you look at that same beam that reminds you that relationship is restored with your heavenly father, that you've been made part and adopted into a royal family, that same beam points downward and it can remind you that sin, death, and the grave have forever been defeated. John 11 verse 25, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Revelation 1, 17 and 18 says, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last, the living one. And I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I, speaking of Jesus, hold the keys of death and the grave. First Corinthians 15, 57, one more says, thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Someone ought to say amen. amen. When you look at that cross, it's not just a religious icon. It's not just some religious symbol. It's, it's a powerful statement of God's love for you to rescue you back to a relationship with your heavenly father. And it's a powerful reminder that sin, death, and the grave was forever defeated at the cross of Jesus Christ. When you look at that other beam, the one that points horizontally, you could be encouraged that the cross of Jesus Christ has brought faith for your future. God's writing a story in your life and you can't see all that he's up to. But when you begin to live by faith, when you begin to say, Jesus, would you come and would you become the hero of my story? You could begin to apprehend faith for your future. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it's Christ that lives in me and the life I now live in the body. In other words, he's saying this life on this side of heaven, on this side of eternity, and I'm thankful for heaven. It's going to be a glorious day and a glorious place. But he's saying on this side of life, on this side of eternity, this present life. Watch what he says. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me upon that cross. When you look at that cross, you could be reminded that it's about res restoration of a relationship. It's about sin, death, and the grave being forever, forever defeated. It's about faith for your future. And it's about your past being completely forgiven, completely forgiven. 
It's about freedom from your past, forgiveness for your sins. And the Bible is very clear that every one of us, every one of us, we all have need for a Savior. We all deal with this issue that the Bible refers to as sin. Romans 3 says, everyone has sinned. All have fallen short of the glorious standard of God. 1 John 1, 8 says, if we claim that we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves. Mark 2, Jesus said this. He said, it's not healthy people that need a savior or need a doctor. He said, I've come for the sick. I've come for the hurting. He said, I did not come to call those who think they are righteous. I came for those who know they are sinners. And I'm telling you today as we were worshiping the resurrected Jesus and I'm over here and I'm worshiping God and I'm singing with all my heart and I'm, I'm, I better slow it down. I'm at risk of losing my voice before the third service is gonna get here. I'm doing it not because I'm a preacher or because I'm a pastor. I'm doing it because I know I was a sinner. And the Bible says that he who, who is forgiven much loves much. And I know all the places and the things that I did and I thought and the places I was and I know what my life might look like if not for the intervention, the interruption, the divine encounter that I have because of the power of praying parents and grandparents that saved me and rescued me out of that life. We all have this need for forgiveness. The Bible says all have sinned. And falling short of the glory of God. Whether you had just sinned a few times or whether you went to college and made sin a recreational sport, we all have the need for a Savior. And on your best day, even on your best day, you didn't hit the snooze, you got right up, you got the kids ready for school, you exhibited self-control and patience on your way to work, someone cut you off and instead of telling them they were number one, you said a prayer in your heart for them, your day is going pretty good. On that day, how high of a score would you be willing to give yourself on a scale of one to 100? With 100 being the perfection, the standard of Jesus. Let's say that one is Satan himself. And let's say that 30 or 40 is a really sketchy, type of person, let's call that the Tom Brady zone right there. <laughs> I knew when he said he was retiring that he wasn't, I knew he was coming back to aff afflict my soul. <laughs> On your very best day, how high of a score? I mean, really, what's your number? 50, 60, 70, 80? What, what, what number are you willing to give yourself? And here's the reality of it. If you've ever stolen one paper clip from the office at work, you're a thief. If you've ever told, if I've ever told one little white lie, one little, just bend the truth a little bit, come on. We all have need for forgiveness. We all have need for a savior. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And you might say, but Pastor T, I, I, I mean, really, some of you may be sitting there and you're saying, Pastor T, 30, 40, I'm below the Tom Brady zone. I mean, I really have blown it and I'm lost. I'm, I'm addicted. I'm, I'm in the thing. You don't know what I think and you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I'm capable of. And I'm telling you that the story of Easter included the thief on the cross. 
who never even went to church. He wasn't confirmed. He didn't, he didn't get baptized. He didn't serve at the church and hand out bulletins. He didn't hold the door open. He didn't show up for the volunteer workday. He never even had communion. And just a few moments before, he was part of the crowd that was mocking Jesus and spitting on Jesus and cursing Jesus. And as he began to see who is this man and his heart began to open up, you remember what Jesus said to him? He said, truly today you will be with me in paradise. And I think that it wasn't wasted on God. I think it was very intentional as part of the story because he was establishing right from the start of this free gift, this offer of salvation, that there's a standard right here that I'm setting and don't think that you have to be religious and don't think that you can earn your way and don't think that you could volunteer your way. It's all about Jesus. That man on that cross never even had the opportunity to bow his knee and prayer or to clasp his hands in prayer. He was naked, he was a thief, he was a murderer, and he still made it into heaven because of the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And what it speaks to you and I today is there's not one, there's no lost cause with Jesus Christ. And you're here in this room or you're watching online and you're in, the, you're, you're in the throes of sin and I'm telling you, you are not too far to be saved by Jesus Christ. And you cannot sin enough. You cannot outsin the grace of God. Where sin abounds, grace aboundeth much more. Someone ought to say, thank you, Lord. I'm saying, thank you, Lord. When you look at that cross, which Jesus experienced in the Friday of his story, you could be reminded. I mean, come on, never see it, never see it the same way again. I've got a relationship that's been restored with my father. I'm a part of a family, and it's not just any family, it's a royal family. Sin and death and the grave have lost their sting. They have no claim or victory over me. I've got faith for my future, and I'm completely set free from the pain of my past and the darkness of my past. It's completely forgiven. It's washed away. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. He came to make hurting people whole. He came to make lonely people part of a royal family. He came to make sinful people forgiven. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, That's how far he's removed our transgressions, our sins from us. And I've got this globe here. and Here we are right here. Lawrence, Kansas, no better place to be on Resurrection Sunday. Come on, someone say amen. Home of the national champion, Jayhawks right here. Here we are. And on this globe, there's four main directions, four primary directions, north, south, east, and west. And remember, God has just told you, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed his sins from you, from me. And here's what we know is that if you start at the North Pole and you go to the South Pole, there's 12,436 miles from this point to that point. We now know that as scientific fact. And if you start at the North Pole and you start on that 12,436 mile journey and you start at the North Pole and you begin traveling this direction, which direction are you traveling? You're traveling south. 12,436 miles, you've just crossed the equator, you're still on your trip, 12,436 miles, and eventually you arrive at the South Pole. And if you continue going the same direction, the same direction, you don't change direction, you're still going the same direction, but now which direction are you going as you come across the other side of the globe? 
You're traveling north. Let's say we start right here in Lawrence, Kansas, LFK, LFTK, Lawrence for the kingdom. Come on, we're redeeming it. Lawrence is gonna see revival. You start right here and you begin traveling this way. Which direction are you traveling? We're, we're traveling east across the United States. We just crossed through South Carolina. Hey, South Carolina, how you doing? We're going across the Atlantic. Now we're going across Africa right here. Which direction are we still traveling? We're traveling east, we're traveling east. We're not gonna change direction. We're still traveling east. We're still traveling east. Wait a minute, we're about to come back to Lawrence, Kansas, lovely Lawrence, Kansas, right here in the great Midwest, the heart of America right here. We're back, we're still going east. We haven't changed direction, we're still going east. But wait a minute, Pastor T, when we started at the North Pole and we were going south, we eventually began going the other direction. And I believe that it's God's intentional effort to tell you that there's a defined point between north and south, but there is not a defined point. If you go traveling in the same direction, you'll never begin traveling the other direction. And it's because God is very intentional and he's very wise and he's very smart and he was making a statement. He was saying, as far as the east is from the west, it cannot be defined. That is how far I have removed your sins from you, from me. Thank you, Lord. Man, that's a long ways. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him that's a long ways. Isn't it amazing? God could have said north, as far as the north is from the south, and I still would have been pretty impressed by that. But he was saying, that there's actually a defined, I mean, he, he's so wise. And he knew there's a defined distance between those two points, but there's no defined distance between these two points. And that's how much I love you in spite of your sins and your misgivings and your mistakes and your doubts and your fears and your failures. And that's why I'm gonna send Jesus to rescue you back to a relationship with me. It's why I'm gonna defeat sin, death, and the grave. I'm gonna bring you hope for your future and I'm gonna completely deal with the pain and the sin of your past. It's washed away. The story of Jesus, the greatest story ever known, included the the pain of the cross, the Friday. It also includes the Saturday, the tomb of the story, which is the moment of defeat and disappointment and doubt and delay. And I don't know about you, but maybe you've experienced just one or two of those things in your life and maybe even in your walk of faith. And my encouragement to you today is that the tomb was a part of Jesus' story. And can you imagine all the disciples, they had seen him heal and they had seen him restore and they had seen him do the miracles and feed the multitudes and heal the blind eyes and cause the lame to walk and they knew what he was coming to do but they were still in that moment saying, he's dead, is he really who he said he was? And when we go through the moments of doubt and delay and defeat and darkness and isolation, it's encouragement to remind ourselves that Jesus and his early disciples experienced the same thing too. But many of us, we settle in the pain of our story or the, the tomb of our story, the Saturday of our story, because something really happened. There was real pain, real re rejection, real betrayal, real disappointment, real injustice, injustice. And so we get stuck in this moment and we say, I guess that's all for me. Can God really use me? I thought it was going to go one way and it didn't go the way that I was expecting it to go. And listen, if that's you today, you find yourself in a moment of doubt, in a moment of fear, in a moment of darkness, in a moment of isolation, you need to be encouraged that the tomb was just part of the story, that Sunday was coming, that resurrection life was coming, that newness of life was coming, that when all the doubters and the haters were looking and they were pointing, that God wasn't finished writing the story of Easter and he's not finished writing the story of your life either. Don't get stuck. 
in the Saturday of your story, in the Saturday of your marriage, in the Saturday of your dream, your hope, your desire. In almost every testimony, there's a process, there's a journey, there's a testing of faith, there's some dark moments, there's gonna be some doubt, there's gonna be some delay, there's gonna be some testing. You can't even spell the word testimony without the test. But Sunday's coming, and for some of you, it's closer than you think, because sometimes when something is up close to you, it's more difficult to see than when it's far off. Sunday's here for you and your story. Let God continue to write it for you. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to, your, to his purposes. Keep seeking, keep serving, keep trusting, keep hoping, keep worshiping. You'll make it through the tomb to the day of resurrection life. God has a way of turning trials to triumphs, messes to messages, tests into testimonies. Let the Lord keep writing your story. Don't get stuck on your Saturday because Sunday is coming. Come on, let's just say Sunday's here. Look at your neighbor, tell them Sunday's here. Sunday's here, resurrection life is here. Resurrection power is here. The crucifixion of the story was always the setup for the resurrection. And the tomb was only a momentary delay. What seems like a setback in Jesus' story, in your story, it's always a setup for God to show up. If you let him keep writing your story. The message of Easter is dead things coming back to life. Because the resurrection of Easter, for many people, Easter in this day is about many different things. It's an opportunity to wear a pink tie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bunnies and baskets and come on, Cadbury eggs. Come on, I'm not arguing with any of that. I mean, <laughs> all fine and acceptable things. But the, the story of Easter is about resurrection power. Because the Bible says that the same spirit that caused Jesus to come alive from that tomb after he had come off that cross is the same spirit that now causes and quickens us to begin to live, us to begin to move. What's in your life that seems to be dead? That today, God says, some people might look and say it will never happen, but because of the power of the resurrection, you could look at it and say, it's only napping. It's about to come to life. It's about to begin to happen. Resurrection power is available to me. It's available to my body. It's available to my marriage. It's available to that teenager who seems like he or she is lost, who seems like they're a lost cause. God is still in the business of turning dead things back to life. And you know, you know what I appreciate? Want one more point and then we'll worship and we'll get about our day. I appreciate this so much that even after he was resurrected, did you know that God was still relating to us through the story of Easter? Again, we could draw faith from, from Jesus's story. We, we, we have faith from the story because we can relate to the story. And you remember as Jesus was appearing to the early disciples and he was preparing them to begin to be followers of his and to begin to advance the gospel. You remember what Thomas came to him and, and he had one moment of doubt and they branded him forever doubting Thomas. And as someone who's named Thomas, I resent it. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And be careful what you allow people to label you as, by the way, because of one unfortunate moment. <laughs> but he came and he said, he said, I want to believe, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He said, I want to believe, but Jesus, will you show me your scars? Will you prove to me that, that, you, that it's really you? And you remember Jesus did it, push Thomas away. He said, come to me, touch me, approach me, see me. See my wounds, see the marks, see the scars. Are you kidding me? Even the resurrected Jesus still bore the marks of the painful moments of his life. Even in his resurrection, Jesus was still saying, I'm a relatable God. I, I don't know about you, but I think if I was Jesus, I, I would have asked God for some plastic surgery and said, come on, can we deal with these things? You know, I mean, the, seriously, the, the resurrected king still bore the marks. And I think it was God's intentional way of just telling us, I'm not some far off God. I'm not some plastic Jesus. I'm real, you can approach me, you can touch me. I'll get down right in and even after I've resurrected from the dead, I'm still here to relate to you. I've still bear the marks. Would you stand to your feet? And let's respond, let's, Let's give people the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And maybe there's some people who are here in this room or joining us online, and today is your opportunity to re-invite Jesus back into your story. Maybe you've made yourself the hero of your story or some other place or person or thing or object or pursuit. And today is your opportunity to say, Jesus, would you come back into my life? And would you become once again the hero of my story? Would you begin to put your hand upon the pen that is writing the next chapters of my life? Because I really do, Lord, in a new way, in a fresh way, in a devoted way, in an authentic way, I want my story to bring you glory. And maybe you're here today or watching online and you once knew God, maybe even served God, maybe grew up in the church, but you've just drifted from God. Maybe you've just gotten busy or maybe you've made some bad choices, bad decisions. Whatever it is, you look up today and you're not close to him anymore. And you're what the Bible would describe as a prodigal son or daughter. And if that's you today, God is calling you. He's longing for you. He's welcoming you. He's inviting you. If you remember the father in that parable, he didn't hold that son who had gone out and tried to do it his own way in his own strength. The father knew it wasn't gonna go well for him. But the Bible says that that father would every day, he would go and he would look, is this the day that my son or my daughter is gonna come back home? And that, par that prodigal son just took one step, just took a step back onto his father's property and that father came running after him and he welcomed him and he gathered him and, and he put a robe on a ring upon him and he threw a banquet for him and he celebrated him. And the same is true for you today. Maybe you've gotten busy, maybe you've drifted from God and made some bad choices today. The arms of the father are open to you. He's saying, come home to me. Or maybe you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, never felt what it feels like to have the weight of sin and guilt and shame and all the condemnation that the enemy uses to try to hinder you or hold you back from living for God today, the invitation of Easter is to receive the free gift of salvation. The free gift. All you gotta do, it's, it's powerful, it's simple, but it's profound. All you have to do is believe in your heart and respond with your confession and say, I need a savior. And immediately what happens in your life is the invitation to begin to live for God, but right away you begin to be born again, a new creation. All the old things according to God's word pass away and a new life begins. So listen, heads bowed, eyes closed, give people the opportunity to just respond to God. Maybe you've drifted from God or maybe today you need forgiveness. You've been weighed down. 
And right now is your moment. And right now, here's what I wanna ask you to do. Do not wait, do not delay. Lift your hand high towards your Father. Lift your hand high towards heaven. Don't be ashamed to lift your hand. Don't be ashamed to say, I need a savior. We all were once in that place. The reason this room was filled, the reason that today, two and a half billion people all around the globe are celebrating the risen Savior is because at one point, two and a half billion people who are alive today in the earth recognized their need for a Savior and said yes to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for these amazing people. Thank you, Lord, for what's happening. These hands being lifted, just the outward sign of an inward work, a heart being changed, a heart being renewed and made new, and a, a, a life being washed clean and made whole in Jesus' name. If you raised your hand, both in this room and online, you could lower it. You can lower it and everyone can look up and here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray this prayer with all those persons. I mean, some amazing people said yes to Jesus today. Came home to their father today. And we're gonna pray this prayer with you because we wanna quickly show you we're all one big family. And we wanna welcome you, we wanna pray this with you, we wanna show you that you have brothers and sisters in Christ even as you're new in your journey of faith. We wanna come alongside you, encourage you, help you, strengthen you, and we pray it for that reason. And the second reason we pray this every week as part of this church family is because we're determined to grow in our faith and God's doing some things in our life and God's building a life of faith, but everything he could ever build is all built on a foundation of unmerited grace. It's all because of the grace of the cross of Jesus Christ. So come on, maybe with some fresh revelation and fresh passion and conviction, let's pray this prayer together with a lot of amazing people who said yes to Jesus today. Come on, repeat after me, pray it with boldness. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price that I could never pay, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you my life and I give you my trust. And because of the cross of Jesus, because of the resurrection of Jesus, come on, say it boldly, say, I will never be the same. And then put your hands together with all of heaven. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Man. Hey, come on, let's worship the risen King. Let's worship him one more time together today. Come on, worship him with all your heart today.